Welcome to the Earthshot Podcast, where we champion the Earthshot, a monumental effort to achieve planetary regeneration, restoring the Earth and humanity's place within it. At Earthshot Labs, we're developing the science, technology, and financial systems in service of ecological restoration. When we go to a sacred territory, we would meet with the uh, elders of that territory who would then tell us how to come onto that territory following the protocol of those original days. So we'd be restoring the protocol of the earth, which brings a way of life with it, as we restore the ecology of the land and protect it and keep it safe. On today's episode, we'll be hearing from Jyoti Ma, a dear personal friend and advisor to the Earthshot team. Jyoti Ma is the founder of The Fountain, an organization founded to bring indigenous wisdom and sacred land stewardship into an economic model in service of the planet. She is also a convener of the International Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers and delegate in the Mother Earth Delegation to the United Nations. Welcome everyone. My name is Troy and this is one of the seminars in the Earthshot Labs seminar series. And today we have Jyoti Ma, a very dear friend and collaborator of the project. And I mean, there's there's too long of a, you know, too long of a list of introductions. Jyoti is a grandmother. She's the founder of an organization called The Fountain, also the founder of an organization called The 13 Grandmothers, which is a similar project and has had, you know, decades of being a leader in spiritual communities, in indigenous communities, in medicine work, and most recently um, proposing a vision for the marriage of sacred economics, of land restoration, of working with indigenous groups, um, and also building a bridge between sort of like modern technological and money systems and restoring human relationship with non-human nature. So that's just a little bit of introduction. Jyoti, you want to bring us in for a moment and set the field? I will. And so you know me. Um, if we're going to talk about nature, then we're going to talk about the sacredness of life. And so I would like to um, call us all together to sit down first inside of ourselves in the nature of who we are and close your eyes and just take a moment so that I can offer a prayer as we move into the sharing time together. I hope that will be all right. So if you'll just take a moment, everyone in wherever you are uh, on the planet, sit down in yourself and take a moment to take your breath and breathe right into that sacred place in the center of yourself where the starlight and the sound of the universe reside and breathe into that space so that it begins to radiate itself and the sound of the universe vibrates even more strongly so that it fills every cell of your body and you are fully lit up for it is a time to activate all light bringers. This is a moment on our planet to activate ourselves in the service that we've come to do. And then if you can visualize us sitting in a circle and there's a fire in the center of our circle going, it's informing us, it's listening to us. It's nature's element, grandfather fire. And we have the other elements of the earth, the water, the air, the earth herself that are gathered in this circle with us as we're all lighting ourselves up and we take another breath and we breathe that radi and rad radiate out our light and sound all around us until it touches the one next to us in this circle. And when it does, we stand and sit now in our oneness. And we allow ourselves to take a moment in the silence that resides there for it has an intelligence that will inform us today. and say good day to you, Mother, Father, God. And I'm calling on the spirits of the four direction, the, those above us and those below us and those that are working through us. We give great thanks. We give great thanks to the morning star that announced this new day would come and send its blessing. 
that called in the sun that would bring the light so that we could all stand up inside of this day and fully open ourselves to the inspiration and the intelligence of nature that's flowing through us and around us, above us and below us at all times. For nature lives in us. We are part of this creation. And we are in a point of prophecy, a time like never before. Prophecies have been preparing us for this moment and prophecies are instructing us in this moment. And we give thanks that the original people received that instruction in those original days and has brought a thread unbroken through unprecedented challenges and times to sit at our world table now and to help bring the knowledge and wisdom of the ancestors into how we are going to weave all the strands we each carry into this moment where new fabric of life is being constructed as we speak. I give great thanks for the courage of such and stamina of such a peoples that they have carried with the courage of their hearts and the dedication to this Mother Earth to bring this wisdom forward for our, us at this time. I give great thanks to the ancestors whose hand is on each and every one here, for it is these ancestral lines in each of us that we must take a moment to look back and allow the generational healing that is occurring around the planet right now in every single one of us till it brings us back to the root of who we are for each of us has a root in that original time through our family lines. And in this moment, we are holding how the ancestors have brought us to this moment. And we are also holding the hope of where this moment will take us for the generations to come. So let us be ever mindful of that. I know in the prophecies that the Kogis gave us, they said the ending would fall into the beginning and the beginning would be roll out in 2026. They shared with us that it was important to listen to the ending so that we would stay informed, but to stay focused on that which was breaking through. And so here we are sitting in the circle of some of you who have been called to a moment that is breaking through. They told us those that would be carrying such initiatives and movements and models for these, the new dawn that is arriving. They told us that that those individuals and the movements and organization would be based on original principle, those original principles of heart, unity, collaboration, reciprocity, and all life is sacred. And so it is what has called us to sit together around the fire today, to share more about what we're learning, to understand that we're all learning, we're all waking, all at, in different times and in different strokes with different rhythms but there is awakening a process across this planet like never before. And so we're reminded that we must sit in the stillness of who we are, that we must take the time to deeply listen to that instruction that will keep us aligned with Mother Earth, for it is through the current of unification and that alignment that we will truly go through the keyhole and land in the new dawn helping to birth something quite remarkable for many generations to come. I give thanks to the grandmother that dreamed us into this creation and is still dreaming us now. I bow with my humility and my love to her. I want her to know that we're listening and we are paying attention. We are being mindful in this moment, this moment of great, great choice. So I look forward to listening to the hearts of all those that have gathered here to see what inspiration may be stirring in them and how we can collaboratively weave the possibilities of the time we're sitting in. I know it feels like it's a chaotic moment, but out of chaos, creativity always births something. If we can hold that in our thinking minds, and drop our minds down into our hearts, then we will have arrived home at who we are and we will remember who we are. And when we do, we will fully activate the service of the soul that is marching. And it is marching. 
I give great thanks for the thought that put this in motion for all those through this selflessness and their own humility and their own dedication and impassioned will have come to sit at this world table and dream a new dream. I give great thanks to the sacred territory of the Pomo and the coastal Miwok peoples whose land I'm sitting on offering this prayer as the great redwoods around my home are listening and instructing me as those that fly and those that swim and those that are creepy crawlers and those four-leggeds and two-leggeds, that all of this creation itself has weaved its diversity into the most amazing, amazing life. I give great thanks. I give great thanks. I give great thanks. Now take another deep breath so we can arrive all here together around this sacred fire. Thank you, Jyoti. Thank you. I don't know if I have any questions anymore. <laughs> oh, that's a good sign. <laughs> we can dust off our curiosity and see what inspirations our hearts might speak. But maybe just one way to, to kick us off. Um, probably a lot of people participating right now and listening to this in the future will be scientists or investors investors or people developing carbon projects or you know people working in government and many many different worldviews and i wonder if you have something to say about the state of land restoration as you see it now the state of carbon markets the state of how policy interacts with land is there um, just some ideas or a message you would have to people working in this area as we are working in this area and really in a way coming with a, a whatever, a Western perspective, which is bringing money and technology to solve a problem. And yeah, I wonder if you have some thoughts in this area. <laughs> It's a very good question that we could go on for a lot longer than I, we have here, right? But I would say that it's uh, what's going to become seen as extremely valuable as this earth shakes us awake um, is uh, that there is a sacred technology of nature. And there is an intelligence inherent in that technology that has a direction that the earth herself can give us um, that we might not think about because we've gone through a period of history where we were colonized uh, and every one of us is suffering from that because it locks us in a box and it, uh, it economizes the earth uh, and it economizes things in a way about, so it makes us consumers inside this creation. I had a home in the Amazon, the Brazilian Amazon for 22 years. Uh, and I, a lot of my teaching and learning came from this experience with this community there and how they helped me um, initiate our community so we could wake up and remember more of who we are and how to connect with nature and follow that instruction. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, if we, when we, when we tune into that, that experience, when we commit ourselves to um, letting go of that idea of what the West has created or curated during these times, then we uh, end up finding ourselves in a place where we have dropped out of what the, one of the, the things that's recommended in, in this um, earth-based way of life is to always move through relations. So it's about making relations. 
making relations with each other, making relations with a part of something we are bringing to the table that we know well and want to offer up in service to this new dynamic that we've been talking about so far. Uh, it's about making relations with economy. And what is that? In the Western world, economy is defined a certain way. Um, as I've just mentioned, uh, it's through, uh, you know, in, in the jungle, they say that the West are termite people because everywhere they go, they eat things up. Uh, and that's kind of how we've been moving through nature is consuming uh, and, 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 and extracting uh, what we need rather than sitting down and realizing like in the old days when a community would, that was based more on this relationship with earth itself and nature, that uh, it would sit down if they were gonna cut a tree and they would just see, well, how would, if we cut that tree down, how will it affect the next seven generations? Seven generations out, that kind of thinking uh, is what is brought back into play when you start working with nature's law itself. So when you start holding things like that, it starts to shift our perspectives a little bit. Um, instead of coming to the table to say, I, I wanna fix this, I come to the table to say what I've brought to the table that might help in the, in the work that's being acknowledged right now that needs to happen, comes to land restoration. It's at the heart of this for me because you see the, the sacred territories around the planet are like um, vital acupuncture points for your body. And you can imagine if your body uh, had somehow things had been put on the body or into the body that were disturbing or blocking those acupuncture points, your body would not be well. It would start losing its ability to function in its own nature and, uh, and you might die from it even. Well, we've kind of done that with Mother Earth and her body. Her sacred territories have either been blocked, fenced out, so the original people, when uh, the original days, the way it's been taught to me, those original days, the Earth herself gave the original people ceremony to tend to those sacred territories, those acupuncture points for her body, so that they would be kept clear and alive and vibrant, and therefore creation would. And, and the resources that need to care for life would be available and it would be a, a field of reciprocity of giving and sharing um, constantly in motion. So right now, 80% um, of what's left of the remaining biocultural uh, sacred territory sites are taken care of by those original people. And there is a big push right now to move into those very last remaining uh, sacred territories and take them away from those original people because there's minerals and oils and things like that that want to be extracted and mined. Uh, if that happens, then the choice is human, the human race here has already made a choice and the earth herself will survive this process because the way it's also taught to me is that we are the earth is going through her sixth extinction. That means she's gone through it five times before. So she knows how to go through it. You see, it's like uh, in, uh, when I was traveling in India uh, in the sacred temples there on the walls, they would have a clock and they would show how from 12 to one was 2,500 years, from one to two was another 2,500 years. And so it went 26,000 years around the clock before that cycle was finished. And the very last sliver was what they call the Kali Yuga, which are what the original people call the ending times with that prophecy in my prayer was speaking about. That's the time we're in right now uh, before we, she opens into her next 26,000 year cycle. So it's a very prominent moment right now. And during such times, uh, species disappear. They don't say they're lost in the nature's world. They say that they disappear from this reality. Uh, and the human race right now is in a moment of deciding whether it's gonna be extinct uh, in itself or whether it's going to make choices so it can serve this moment of ascension that the earth is going through. 
Now, this may be quite too esoteric for some of you that are sitting at this table. Excuse me if it is. Um, but I want to provoke you a little bit into uh, out of the box of what normal thinking might look like and ask you to dust off your curiosity for one of the things that I've been trained and taught in is that when we sit at a circle like this and everybody brings their own experience and voice to the table, all voice is significant and we listen and hold that space, at the end of all the sharing, we'll truly be able to see more of what we're holding, the vastness of what we're holding, the significant moment that we're holding and the part that we might have in it. Here we enter, I feel you gather, feathers in your hair and in your hands, holding this circle, timelessly these sacred territories you know i've just come out of the yucatan where i was meeting with the mother earth delegation of united original nations there uh within the, the old territory the mayan peoples of the yucatan uh and this is on the lips of everyone if you look at cop 26 and i know some of our leaders in the world really didn't wake fully to what was possible there but never, like never before, we saw a swell in the people and uh, particularly led by the wisdom of our original people because they have a way of life that is a solution for this time that we're living in. And it brings us always back to being in right relation with nature and understanding that all life is sacred, all life in all the aspects and the diversity that it, it forms itself into. So what we have come up to at this point with the fountain is following these instructions and following these protocols, as I've been sharing with you a little bit about, we have a way of, of helping to restore sacred territories. Um, and at some other point, if you want to have a more in-depth kind of understanding of what that looks like, I'd be glad to share more with you. But just to give you a brushstroke of it, it it's uh, when we go to a sacred territory, we would meet with the uh, elders of that territory who would then tell us how to come on to that territory following the protocol of those original days. So we'd be restoring the protocol of the earth, which brings a way of life with it, as we restore the ecology of the land and protect it and keep it safe. Um, and so that then they would share with us what were the protocol and we would share what we were getting to restore that land and through their guidance, we would then put it into motion. So one circle is to really have the sacred territory be that allow it to breathe again, for the earth to breathe again. And then the second circle are bringing in our collaborating partners that do regenerative farming, that plant trees, I mean, that clean oceans, depends on the sacred territory we'd be working on, which of our partners would wanna come and create that second circle. And in that second circle, as they begin to regenerate things, they're also beginning to help those uh, original people on the land be empowered in the process, but also to find how to bring right um, right ways to fuel their lives, to tend to their lives, uh, so that that field of reciprocity starts to work amongst itself and everybody then is in balance and and the earth is breathing again. you know I uh, when when all this happened um, with George Floyd, 
uh, and the statement, the, the mantra that ran around the planet was, I can't breathe. And then the next thing that would happen would be a pandemic where the next part of that story was, I can't breathe. If we take a moment and reflect upon the earth, she's telling us she can't breathe. <laughs> and so if we will listen and watch what we do with our actions and activities, we'll get a response to her from her that allows us to really get the feedback loop, if you will, that she's uh, healing those places where we uh, in our way of life have caused um, issues in the health of this earth. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, the way into restoration of land following uh, the original wisdom and that ancestral wisdom from the earth herself, which may open up to a whole lot more questions, but at least uh, maybe yeah. I can land that seed first, Troy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing so, so deeply your work. I was watching this video right now. And um, one thing that struck me was sort of the image of colonial violence that came in. And as a sort of like pan-European colonial ancestor or as ancestors, um, sort of there's a wound and there's a gift. And and I wonder what it what is the gift? Because um, the wound it, it seems like the wound is is pretty clear um, of what has happened in the past hundreds or thousands of years. And I wonder what is the gift? Like what is the gift for my peoples and maybe peoples of many people on this call? Um, and this this distinction between these groups in different regions. Like what is what is our gift to bring back? Well, you know, if you come back to the teaching of the cycle that we're in, you don't see the ending as something that went wrong. Because I think if we do that, then we start to step back from it and we start to defend ourselves um, from feelings of guilt or judgment or all these other things. Uh, the way the Hopi speak about it is we've, we're coming out of the fifth world of separation. And so this whole cycle has been about teaching us about all separating out and realizing that we have different languages and different cultures and different ways of relating and different lifestyles uh, and different spiritual teachings. Uh, uh, this is our diversity that got to be very well recognized. And now we're, at, we're moving from a world of separation as the elders teach us into a world of unity. And so our gift is that we've been curated. <laughs> we've evolved uh, through time uh, to the place now that we've reached this next level where this next cycle is about to open itself. And so if we can come with our humility uh, and, and sit and listen deeply, then we're, the gift that we each are will get made very visible. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we were in the Yucatan, what we did during our four days when the sacred fire was going were all the nations spoke about where they are in this moment of time, what the truth is, what their truth is that they're standing in right now. Um, and, and then they started to look to see because of our languaging and our laws and different things that have put us in more of this colonized state that's more a patriarchal system, and we're returning to a matriarchal system um, and role changes that are going on around all that where our masculine is seen as the protector of the life bringer uh, rather than the defender, it's the protector of life bringer. It's a moment where something is birthing and the energy requires a different response from us all. So when, you, when we sit that way, um, then we, as, as we began, they, they unlocked the box and looked at our truth. And then we looked at how we're locked into a truth that's no, no longer serves anyone. In fact, has caused us to move away um, from our nature. So when we started to move into more industrialized Western kind of thinking, we cut ourselves off from our nature. And that's when we started down this path that would lead us to where we are, are right now. Now we're in a moment of that truth becoming visible because evolution wants all truth to become visible. 
And our task then is to look at our truth, at who we are, ourselves, do that work. Look at how we sit inside our families, do that work. Look at how those families sit inside our cultures, do that work. And now really we're looking at a global village. And so you're looking at a moment where it feels like everything's polarized, where the truth of things have come up and they're all polarized. It could be that way. But if we hold that for a moment in the sense of unity, that all things are part of the oneness of who we are, then we can begin to see what these two opposites will bring us because the cure is in, in the opposite. So if, if we look at it that way, then we're right at that pivotal point that if we can hold it just a little longer, it's going to make itself visible about a place that we're all going to land that we had not been able to see through our ego or our mind, that there's an intelligence taking us somewhere. And many have said this road is not going to be an easy one that we're on, but they, they all speak about the great awakening. We're in the moment of a great, great awakening. So I think we would do it a disservice if we step back and try to judge or intellectualize or analyze the process. I would encourage us more um, to see if we can bring that feminine nature that holds process. You see, the feminine is what catches vision. Masculine is what helps us put it into form. And, and the, those two dancing together in harmony bring good result. I am the earth and the earth is singing The water flows around this rock The ancient ways I carry forth the river carries me Grandmother speak to me is building a company yeah. around this idea of ecological restoration. And probably many people listening to this are building similar organizations that um, want to be fundamentally creative and interesting and in alignment with the prayer that you spoke at the beginning. And I wonder if there are, um, you know, we, we just also came up with this sort of culture deck. And one of those was like, um, a way of counsel, which means we just sort of stay current with the moment. We stay current with the intelligence of life and not pre-plan so much, but uh, allow for emergence. And I wonder if there's any, if there are any sort of principles or stories about um, the way businesses or the way organizations will change in terms of management, in terms of ownership, in terms of other other elements, how you, how you see actual organizations changing, or if there's any advice for entrepreneurs right now? We're working very closely with that whole circle um, and have been for se several years now. And what's come out of our work, we, we created a nine week uh, experimental journey. And we uh, put a call out to many people and we had 144 businesses, individuals, philanthropists, organization movements that came to sit at the table to go through this nine week journey to be dipped, if you will, into nature's way 
So what are original principles? What is sacred territory? What is sacred economy? What does that look like? What shapes can it form itself in? What does it touch? What are the original definition by the original people about economy? Economy of, it's the energy of life, right? That we're looking to see how we want it to move and connect. And so though, out of those, about 30 to 40 uh, have become the core that have created an ecosystem. And, and what's come out of that is people really knocking at our door and saying, uh, I am enlisted in this uh, shift. I am showing up with all, all because we have everything we need if we will come out of our silos and be able to be this vulnerable with each other and really share our who we are with each other and see what's in the mix, what's in the soup, if you will. Um, and, and they want their cultures to reflect the shift. So we are now putting together original, it's called original principles alignment protocol that takes those original principles and begins to come in and starts to work with the companies uh, that want, are ready for the shift so that they can shift their cultural their whole culture inside the company or their movement or their lives uh, in a way that comes back to those original principles uh, and encourages the inspiration and the passion you're talking about, Troy, that, you know, allows for the creativity of the, of the, of the diversity that's within each of these cultures that are gathered here at the fire today. Um, it's, uh, and, and we're and people are very excited and waiting for this right now. So I've just gotten off calls this morning around uh, that motion itself. Amazing. And one more question is, you know, you as an individual and many of the other elders are medicine carriers um, of different traditions and this has been such a like deeply controversial and um, sort of like stigmatized area in much of the Western world in the past few hundred years. And I wonder if you could sort of like illuminate the role of sacred plants in the formation of organizations, in the sort of um, information that goes into investment, into economics, into the way we relate to each other. Just what is the, what is the importance of our relationship with these plants? Well, that, again, these are such deep and really rich and good questions to bring that I think I'm going to do a disjustice by just touching on them a little bit. I'd encourage us that if there is more that wants to go deeper, that we work another time so we really can go deeper. For me, um, the sacred plants, uh, all the sacred plants are are they have an intelligence, they have an awareness. Uh, I know my entire community, um, the elders found us, we have a 160 acre ranch, uh, the tip top of a mountain in the Sierra foothills of California, Northern, uh, it's over by Yosemite, about an hour from Yosemite. So you know the area over there. And um, we went there very in a very innocent way, really driven by a devotion to step out of the box of throwaway society and come back to live with the land and, uh, and learn from the land how to create a different life for our children and their children's children. We're um, 35 years old as a community now. So one of the things we started with is have longevity that we knew waking up was messy and we wanted to have a village of kindness so that when we went into those unconscious moments that we would help each other remember that we are, we fell asleep. Oh, I fell asleep. Oh, excuse me. Did I step on anything? Let me, let me uh, correct that if I did so I can stay in right, right way of walking in life with respect and gentleness. Um, and up our mountain, a 14 mile, um, mile logger road mountain, the elders came and found us and they initiated us. Uh, I was, uh, we were in ceremony. We started our village officially in 1995 and in 1998 in ceremony, the divine mother came and she said, I'm going to give you one of my most precious baskets. And in that basket, I'm going to place some of my most treasured jewels. Those jewels represent lines of prayer that go back to the original time. Do not mix them, do not change them, protect and keep them safe. 
walk them through the doorway of the millennia, hand them back to me. I have something we're going to do. Uh, and so that began the instruction. And up that road came our elders that found us and initiated us in those different lines of prayer. And with each line of prayer, we came to understand that there were different protocol that the earth herself had given to those plants. We're also told that those plants will come out of their countries during this big transformational moment we're in to assist people in the awakening process, in the healing process, so they can open and hear the intelligence that's there to guide them, instruct them, protect and keep them safe. Um, and there'll come a time when they'll all go back to their countries of, of residence, if you will, uh, and will be left with their songs around the world and a way of life. Uh, and so we're in the middle of that right now. Um, and so we can't, that's how we started to land our community and to start to listen about how to follow a process rather than direct a process or try to have an agenda for a process. We began to learn how to stay in a present moment, to receive the instruction that came to that moment. Uh, and then once that was acted out, was it activated, then we would hold a ceremony to uh, give gratitude for what we'd learned in that work. And then she would take us to the next moment. And that is how we have walked all these 35 years. So it has become a way of life for us. And it has given us a different rhythm with how to walk through our life and how to let life instruct. So those plants are coming back in a strong way into the West right now. Um, there's a lot of controversy, as you said, around it. They're legalizing it in some places. I have, that's another whole box we could unpack there because when we legalize something uh, in this Western model that we have currently, then, um, you know, it's like these medicines are like a church line. So when you legalize them, then you have to say who you have to sign your name when you go to church and there's restrictions on your church. And maybe you can take your children to your church and maybe you can't. It's all a controlling a drug. And these are not drugs. These are medicines and these are intelligence. And uh, usually with a plant comes a way of life and protocol. So it not, not only heals you and opens you to your consciousness, but it also gives you a way of life and the teachings of that medicine that help you walk through your life um, with that kind of relationship and connection. So a lot of what the plants are doing are reconnecting us to our nature really dropping us out of the ego and into a place where, oh gosh, I can't control this, <laughs> um, to a place of surrender and then to a place of clearing our fear and the things that block us from trusting ourselves or trusting others uh, and, and back to that place uh, where we can be in our hearts once again and listen, really, really actively listen. So those plants are instructing, they're instructing all layers, all layers of, of our society. They're everywhere. And then really in the West is the only place that's still, still talking about legalizing them because they're a part of a fabric of life and all the other cultures around this planet. And many people don't realize that either, you know? We see, we see like this uh, about what we think is real here is real all over, but it's not. There's a lot of variance and a lot of difference. And that's what I think we've also got to bring to the world table that we're sitting at together. Ancient mother moving through us Roots growing deep in our ancestry Medicine
Steve has a question about, are there examples where you can see sort of like well-intentioned projects, like well-intentioned ecological restoration or, you know, well-intentioned helping other people in other countries that has actually sort of like gone wrong or missed the point? Or, you know, are there sort of like pitfalls to be avoided in this, in this journey that we're on? Well, thank you, Steve, for your question. You know, uh, again, it's you guys are, are, are asking these questions have multi layers of understanding. But, you know, I think, you know, like in the if you look at the way uh, our, our original people set up a way of life, um, they always have an elders circle and the elders have gotten into that circle because life has instructed them and uh, initiated them into a wisdom that allows for them to look through that wisdom doorway at their whole community and offer it instruction and, and help hold it. So when people have sat down to do this kind of work and to really follow that level of instruction, they are people that have really come uh, to sit down and learn and to allow the instruction to come so that maybe, you know, maybe I have a real, I still do this. Something comes to me like the fountain. I'll just give you an example. When the fountain came to me, um, uh, I was told, uh, I was given the medit um, in meditation what the fountain needed to look like. I was given seed funding for it. I immediately went down to Columbia to meet with the four original people there because I'd started a dialogue with uh, some of them prior to this, when I was just getting the nudgings to bring this into, to activate this seed. Uh, so I went there and I told them uh, what I'd received. Uh, I wanted to see if I was hearing it correctly, if it was in alignment with the time we were in and the service that needed to happen. Um, I was there for many days. There were long spiritual consultations. And in the end, they said, yes, Jyoti, the fountain needs to come in existence and we need to sit there on it. And so ever since that time, they go, the mamos who go into deep consultation with the earth, and there's more of their story that I could share, but you can also go see a movie called Luna, um, which um, gives the story of how the, how the four original people came out uh, of high in the Lassi era. The West had not discovered them, but the earth said, you must go down to help your younger brother. They're getting lost. So they came down about 35 or 40 years ago and started that walk with us at great sacrifice. Um, but, but in the end, what, what they, they do their consultation and then they bring back that instruction and then we walk out the instruction and then we hold ceremony to, for gratitude for it. They go back, we get more instruction and that's what we've done for 10 years to bring us to here. And when I first started holding this, I was thinking, you know, I'm a grandma. I'm not, uh, I'm not an economist. So did I get in the wrong line? Did I hear this all wrong? But now after 10 years and this level of instruction and preparation, I really see more where the mother is going with this, the divine mother, the vine, uh, the earth herself. Um, and I see what she's put on putting at the table through the mix of it all. Um, so I would say, that those are some of the things to look for when you're landing this. In other situations, others have gone to speak to somebody uh, in the indigenous world, um, and and they get they get what they think uh, they've learned from that space, and then they go off to do the project, but they don't go back and involve the the original people in that. They don't go back and say, okay, this is what I I feel I'm going to do next. And so they end up missing the mark on it. Um, and, you know, um, and what's called companies that are doing some of that are what, what many are in the, in the field are calling, they're greenwashing themselves. They're looking like they're serving the earth uh, and coming back to some of that original way of holding the earth. But they're really still in a Western mindset. Uh, and they're, they're still not, listening deeply enough uh, to the instruction that would make that little difference. We have a couple minutes left and maybe if you just want to take a minute and send us out um, and if everyone just drops into themselves and, you know, 
what just happened in the last hour that I will take with me now. But Jyoti, if you want to send us out for a minute, I would love that. I think you did just did. So I'm going to drop in and, and answer that question for myself. What just happened in this last hour for me? I hope that we will all do that. Thank you all for coming. It was a pleasure to speak with you again, Jyoti, and look forward to the next time we see each other. Um, if anyone would like to continue this conversation, um, join the Earthshot Institute Slack channel. We'll have links in the show notes and go to earthshot.eco. And we can also include information about how to be in contact with Jyoti and the rest of the amazing members of the fountain. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope I get to, to see you or speak with you again. At least we'll meet in the dreaming of it all. Let it be so. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Earthshot podcast. To learn more and get involved with the work we're doing at Earthshot Labs, visit earthshot.eco. The Earthshot podcast was produced by Reculture Media, and the music that opened the show is by Little Whale.